All right. Welcome to Deconstructing Data, or so we're still temporarily calling it. More on that in a second, but for now, I'm Jesse Lezak, head of marketing at BDEX, along with our co-host, Joshua Morgan, BDEX content marketer extraordinaire, and of course, David Finkelstein, BDEX's co-founder and CEO, as well as Forbes Tech Council member. Um, today's guest is Hector Sin, and I apologize if I said that incorrectly. You'll feel free to correct me. Um, later on, who has been involved in software development and engineering for over 10 years. Um, he's an advocate of open source software and initiatives. His current passion is working on data-centric projects, we read on the website. Um, and in his free time, he enjoys jogging, roller skating, and reading nonfiction. So we hope to dive into some of all of that. So Hector, thank you for being here. Um, could you please start at the beginning and tell us your full story from coming to BDEX? Um, I guess your full story before coming to BDEX and how you became who you are today. Uh, well, thank you for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, well, before coming to BDEX, uh, I was um, um, I studied uh, uh, what they call uh, informatics engineering uh, in my home country. Uh, it's basically a software engineering degree. So that, um, and you asked uh, um, where my passion for, for, for software development came. And uh, when I tell this, uh, it's basically uh, someone that uh, a lot of people tell, but uh, many people don't believe it. It's actually because I was a fan of Star Trek, uh, a big uh, sci-fi sci fan uh, since I was uh, very little. And I kind of got interested in, in like pushing buttons, you know, like screens and, and so on. So that got me interested in in, into software engineering, and before working in BDEX, I, I was uh, I, I, I worked in multiple companies, uh, mostly related to software development uh, and programming, uh, but always looking uh, for for the fun part of software engineering, which not all it's not always a, a programming, you know, so you have to go like uh, evolving like uh, from time to time. So um, I did some. Uh, development for iOS, which was uh, hot at the time, and like nobody was doing it, so I started doing that. And then I, when I came to the U.S. Uh, to get my master's degree, I started getting more into uh, into the data part of software engineering, which uh, which has or has a lot to do with uh, data science and data engineering and stuff. And then I I, ne I ended up working as an intern for David Wellborn, which is our CTO, and then. We got to know each other very well, and, and here I am at BDEX now. He joined in first, and then I, I, I followed suit, and here we are. We're making things better here already in BDEX things a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, and that's basically it. Uh, I, I got my interest uh, for uh, data uh, in college here uh, when I was uh, getting my master's degree because uh, it was uh, funnier. Uh, to be honest, um, and you you do always different every, uh, every day. Like it's not not everyday programming or being you know a, a code monkey, which is not bad. But uh, I always uh, like to have fun while I work. So data seemed the right place to do it, and it is. And I think it will be for the foreseeable future. So here I am. Awesome. Well, thanks, Hector. I just uh, kind of a question off of that. Um, were there any other career paths that you kind of entertained before kind of settling on uh, software itself? 
Uh, actually, no. And I, that's a question I, I, I ask myself like every day. What what would happen if I, I didn't made it into the into the my my first choice to go into college, which was uh, software engineering? So because the second one was like accounting and, and finance or something like that, which I'm terrible at. Uh, but luckily, it did work out. Uh, but no, I, I to be honest, I didn't entertain any other career path other than software or any or something related to science, which was actually the, the big focus uh, of uh, when I was uh, little. Uh, I could have been like, I don't know, like a chemist, a physics engineer, something like that. Uh, but if you ask me now, if I do if I have something else in my mind now, uh, I, I will have to tell you, I, I like something related to more, less to the science side of, uh, of things, more like uh, to humanities. I would be like a historian, like if you ask me now, if you, if you go into college now, what would you do? I would, I would actually study to be a historian. And I, I would, I mean, if, uh, I, I would uh, work uh, half of day for BDEX to pay my bills and then uh, to be a historian mm -hmm. just for fun, yeah. I think it's neat though to, to look back and, and see that your, your interest in computers started out from something like Star Trek, um, you know, it's true because like for me, it's as a child, I used to take apart all of my toys because I wanted to know how they worked, you know, and that got me into into computers. I started, I took an electronics class and then I wanted to learn how to use a computer, you know what I mean? And so it's funny how the things that you do as a child can can mold you into how, you know, where your career goes. I actually had a funny, have a funny story about that. I also, I also took a, apart a lot of my toys and electronics, uh, I just didn't put them back together. So once I, I turned in my power, they, they, they stayed that way. So yeah. my parents, they had a TV, right? Uh, like an old TV set with it has these panels with uh, covers and stuff. So uh, when I grew up, I, I noticed that they had like tapes, like tape, tape marks that, with the glue like, and, and dirt, you know? And I, I asked them, well, what is that? And that's the tape that we put it uh, for, so, so, so you can open the covers and, 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 and start pushing the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I was uh, doing those things uh, even uh, while I, uh, I wasn't aware. So there you, there you go. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so when you when you retire, you're going to become a historian. That, that's that. That's the hope. Yeah, historian, <laughs> anthropologist, something uh, you know. Like it's not that I, I, I grew tired of uh, engineering or stuff. It's because I I, I do like it, uh, like uh, studying like uh, the origin. Of things mm -hmm. i guess um but yeah i hope so yeah i get it because i know like when i was when i was a kid i thought of like i wanted to be a marine biologist because i saw jacques cousteau and i thought oh man this is going to be super awesome and then come to find out about half of people that study marine biology are unemployed or they're cleaning up oil spills and i was like oh this isn't nearly as cool as i thought it would be uh but speaking on that that software um, I noticed that you said that you enjoyed working on kind of data centric projects. And can you share some of like your favorite projects that you worked on or maybe one that you're working on right now? Uh, actually, yeah. Uh, well, uh, out of the multiple things I'm working right now, uh, the one that I actually have um, fun that I would say is uh, one for our big partners, which is Tivo. So uh, I basically started that project uh, off of, um, of scratch. We, we had nothing with them. And it did help, it help us to enable a good relationship with them. And it is fun because uh, not only we do the, the, 
what was asked uh, from us, uh, from Tebow to do for them and for their partner uh, themselves. But it enabled us to like uh, visualize this whole new segment of the business that we, we, we're now building and, and made, made it into a product that we can use to leverage more customers. And, and it's fun because they, they gave us data so it's data like uh, at the most uh, granular level. So we can, it, it allowed us to, to build uh, really cool insights of uh, what the population of Evo uh, were doing, like what they were wa uh, watching, how, how they were watching it. And it's kind of fun actually to see uh, where there was nothing before and there is something there now. So we have multiple stuff there. Uh, I would say that, uh, before this uh, relationship with uh, Tebow, we, we we never really thought that this uh, could be possible. Like well, what we're doing now, and we're about to to do in a much larger scale uh, from now on, I guess. And the other one, which is uh, also um, very um, data centric, is to consolidate and build uh, a a profile on a customer which uh it i mean it has been like thrown around like since forever like building like a like a unique a view of the consumer like a 360 view the single consumer view that that you guys hear around in, in marketing business um but it, it is actually a very hard problem and it remains unsolved and i think it will remain uh, partially unsolved uh, for the foreseeable future not because of uh it is impossible but it, it is how the data is collected and moved around uh, it only takes one bad actor to contaminate a pool of data and that data gets uh, thrown around multiple providers and then uh, before you know it everyone has it and right now like if you if you turn on your blender it generates a data point right it goes somewhere uh somebody turn on a blender somebody checked the fridge to uh, what was missing to, through the you know that that screen they have now uh and those are all data points and how do you like link all of that to someone that you actually know for sure it was the person because uh it is a household like the household may have like five or six people how do you build a concise and you know actual real profile of the consumer uh we're getting there uh, i think we we have uh made uh great advances there but uh in general, in the industry, that that's going to remain partially solved, but that's that's a very fun problem to attack because uh, involves a lot of data and thinking outside the box on how to how to do that. Well, I was going to jump in earlier. Sorry, Josh. Um, no, no, go ahead. You mentioned TiVo. I was excited to hear that you enjoy it and you're having fun with it because, you know, it seems like um, more and more of that. At least I'm seeing it now. At least uh, as it's coming through. Um, and so when you're having fun, that usually is a good sign that good things are happening. So that makes me really happy to hear. And we've been working a lot on, you know, promoting those segments with David and Faraba. Um, and so it's good to hear that, you know, you're seeing it on your end and you're enjoying it. And I'll say that from those Tuesday calls, I always hear Hector's name. And um, these are calls with TiVo we have. Um, there was one in particular where they were like really singing your praises. So that was always really great to hear. Yeah. I mean, I do have fun. Uh, sometimes they, 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 they send like a flurry of requests and I say, oh, wow, like 10 requests this week. But no, I, mm -hmm. I, I actually like have them done. And it is uh, kind of reassuring when, when they come with requests from new clients 
for repeat requests from the same clients because uh, it kind of tells us that this is working, that this is getting somewhere yeah. and they're using the data and the data is, uh, is good to them. So it's kind of reassuring. Uh, I, I, I would freak out really if, if they like one client comes and only with one request and they don't come again, like well, what happened? Did we do something wrong or what? But I mean, it's, it's picking up and I, I actually enjoy it because you can see how actually like uh, from the different requests, how the the mindset of the advertisers work in, in, in the way that they segment these audiences and, and want to target people. So it would be more fun if, if, if we could see how it actually like, you know, performs if, if we did actually reach the, the right person. Uh, but that's part of a larger conversation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think I think was speaking of like that, you know, that customer persona, I think it would be interesting if we could get to a point almost like where you log into Netflix and David has talked about this before uh, about the like the McDonald's example. He gets on TV. He's like, I don't eat McDonald's, but I've got to watch all these, whether it's a like a Geico commercial or a McDonald's commercial. You know, if we could get to that point to where that we have that. And so you you turn on your TV and it says like who's watching and you could put well David's watching and so you know whatever he's been whether he's been searching up say a trip to like you know Australia or whether he was looking for a new pair of Nikes or whatever it may be now we're gonna see ads coming on that are about like Nike running shoes that he was specifically looking for or kind of trips to Australia so we have this kind of like relevant targeted uh, advertising going on and I don't know like. I don't know if regular TV is capable of getting to that point, but you know, with the data that like VDEX has, we could, um, if the technology was capable, we could get to that point, which I think would be very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's that's sort of like the the nirvana of of uh, advertising is like someday mm -hmm. we can take everything that we're doing in machine learning and apply it in real time. So that as someone's doing something, as you're watching a show on TV or on your you know, Roku or whatever it is, you know, it's automatically updating, you know, it's seeing, you know, what is relevant, who's watching and what's relevant to that person and updating the, the advertising to them. It would be ideal. Ultimately, yeah, the goal. I, I think uh, there's, uh, it is the ideal that, that, that the Nirvana, but um, the, the thing that prevents us, or, or not us, but uh, the industry at, at large, uh, achieving that level of accuracy is that a household uh, may have like, it has uh, an average of uh, uh, 20 screens, they say, let's say. Each of the screens have uh, an ID, and each of the screens is being seen by, by multiple people at the same time. Uh, you sometimes uh, start looking something on your phone and then convert on your laptop because you're like re reading a, a review on the phone and. Oh, well, yeah, I'm going to buy it. Then you see it on the laptop and do the checkout and stuff, right? And most of, uh, I don't know if most of the advertiser, but uh, I, I know like a large portion of them, the, 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 their approach is just like uh, throwing spaghetti at, at a wall and see what sticks. So they, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they threw like, they throw like a, like a slurry of ads to you, to your, your house and in hoping, hoping that some of those sticks, like, I mean, I, I do get uh, ads uh, from McDonald's as well. I, I never eat at, at McDonald's, and I say why. If, if it were like, uh, if, uh, if if you were to convince me that you were targeting me, you would show me only Asian food restaurants or something like that. But I don't see any of them. I just see McDonald's, Arby's, and 
Geico and Progressive and all that. But uh, I guess uh, it's the state of the industry now, and that's where we try to 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 improve uh, with uh, our data enhancement uh, measures and cleaning and filtering, and offering the best data we can to to our partners. So, David and Hector, here's a, and this is kind of just something that I kind of had off the top of my head as we're kind of talking about this, because I, you know, I think most of us have. Um, you know, smart TVs at this point, because like I bought my bought my daughter a brand new Roku TV and it was, I don't know, 36 inches or something. And it was like 175 bucks. Like they're super cheap now. And so would it be possible, like an ad pops up and it says, do you want to see this ad? Or maybe kind of like, you know, like we do at VDEX, how did you hear about us? What if you could put in, what kind of ads would you like to see? Now, you know, you have that, it's kind of tied to that device, but at least it's at that, we're getting closer to the household. Do you think that that would even be uh, feasible for something like that? I'll ask David first and then, and then Hector. Well, certainly. Um, I think that, you know, the issue there is the, the software to do it um, doesn't really exist. There's no sort of feedback loop right now. And that's kind of what Hector was saying earlier about, you know, we build these audiences for TiVo's customers and then they go out and they use them. And the only way that we know that it worked is that they come back and they, you know, they want more and that's great. But, you know, even they don't have that feedback loop where a user can click a button and say, yeah, this was a good ad. I like this ad, you know, show me more of these ads, you know, show me less of those ads. Um, and so that's a, you know, from a technology standpoint, I think that would be certainly an advancement that would improve the entire ecosystem. Um, and the experience for the, not only the experience for the consumer, but the, you know, experience and performance for the advertisers as well. Yeah. Uh, coming back to that, uh, in the t in, t in TV, basically, uh, you don't want like somebody asking you if you want like more, ad more, more ads or fees. I, I don't think any, anyone will say, yes, give me more of ads. <laughs> right. Uh, but the, I, I think the more, uh, one of the most, uh, user funding that I've seen is in Hulu that they had, they, they were showing an ad and they had like, 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 like a, like a frame and say, send to phone. Like you could, uh, like an advertiser could convert that, that signal sent to phone as someone, as something that you were interested in. Right. But I mean, I, I haven't seen that anywhere else. Uh, what I see is just keep ads and that's it. And basically that, that, what that tells the, the advertisers, uh, I want to go back to my movie or I don't want to show, show me these anymore. But there's nothing like like to capture that feedback, and even if it were, not, there's no guarantee that the users uh, are, are actually going to use that because, like I said, uh, I I don't think it's in, in, in any, anyone's interest to to personalize your ads because I, I want more of these. So I think uh, other than than the technology, they need uh, better ways to approach an user on how to uh, better serve them with ads. But there's room for that, definitely. Yeah, I always go back to either thinking of like, because I have a like YouTube music. And so, you know, you can give something a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So you'll see more of one thing and less of another. Um, and then even with Netflix, it will give you suggestions that are kind of usually, although every once in a while they kind of go off on left field and you're like, yeah, I don't want to watch this Oprah documentary after I got watching like Bruce Willis. So Hector, I have a question for you because um, in my very, very early college career, and I say my college career because I, I graduated with like 
216 college credits off a bachelor's degree because uh, I couldn't figure out. Well, I kept changing it. And so my my dad um, was a computer programmer. My uh, stepbrother is a computer programmer. My other stepbrother is a computer programmer. So I thought, man, I am going to love programming. And I stepped into like uh, fundamentals, like 101. And they were like, do until then, until this. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm cool. Like, I don't need to do this. And I noticed that you said, and forgive me if I butchered this name, it's called uh, um, Rejects. 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 Yeah, um, Regex. 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 Yeah. And so you were saying that's like one of the things, like, it just like kind of like irks you that you find kind of difficult. What is it about that? particular aspect because i look at like c c plus plus c c plus i don't know how many pluses go with c's uh and and so to me it seems all of it seems very complicated uh but what is it about that particular that is complicated well uh regex uh it was developed like a long time ago a very long time ago and back when there, uh, the the facilities we have now in in programming language didn't exist uh and resources in computers were pretty limited and everything was treated as a text. So the complication uh, on regex is, uh, there are multiple factors, but mainly is because uh, the dichotomy be be between the information they can carry and the way they're written. So they're very dense and like a very small regex uh, can parse a lot of information or exclude a lot of information from a file or, or from a text. And that's very hard to visualize sometimes how to debug and how to validate. So like when you, when you like given uh, your email address, there's a regex for that. But uh, where did you stop it? Because your, your email may have like dot josh, dot com, dot net, dot something. You have to stop somewhere, right? And then you can have dashes on your user. You cannot. So there's a lot of that. And, and the way it's written is like, like, like a soup of characters and you say, what the hell is this? And that's, that's what makes it uh, particularly complex. And, and the fact that we don't use it like every day and uh, you have different standards and so on. So when you actually go and need to use them, uh, it is uh, kind of accepted universally that, that you can go and copy it from somebody else and, and nobody's going to, it's not frowned upon. So uh, we're allowed to do it, but that's, that's, uh, that's why they're complicated. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> So sort of switching gears, Hector and David, do you mind both jumping in and talking about Omni IQ and what is making you both excited about this upcoming launch? Who goes first? Um, okay. No, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'll go first. I, I, I mean, for me, from, more from a business perspective, um, what excites me is that you know, for a long time, we've been trying to help companies um, understand their customers, their, their own customers, right? So that they can find more customers. And this is an opportunity for them to sort of take that to the next level, because the reality is, you know, they're going to be forced to with all of the privacy changes that are going on. And so, you know, I think it's finally sort of come to the point where this opportunity that we've kind of always been, you know, sort of pushing on our customers, Hey, learn more about your existing customers. It's important. Um, they're all starting to realize this is they need to now. And so I think, uh, you know, 
what we're doing with OmniRQ gives them a very easy way to first off learn about their existing customers and then second off second secondly um, be able to sort of leverage that information to find more customers and i think that's what's exciting to me from a business perspective it's a great well, answer How yeah about you, Hector? from a technical standpoint uh the most exciting thing is actually uh working it uh, seeing it work because uh like i said before uh now there is something where before there was nothing and this was a big project and we started uh, on paper and we're drawing diagrams and stuff and it was a big project and the the issue with big projects is you, you cannot like um waste time on making the whole thing and then seeing it fail because you would have to start over again and it was nice because uh, we were developing multiple parts of it i, I did a couple of things uh, and the other the cto and, and my other two colleagues did uh, the other parts and then when we put it together it worked uh not not perfectly at the beginning but then we started to refine and, and then we said hey let's, let's see how this thing goes and like it was like hey we can work together how about that and and then um it didn't uh it actually validated what what we had on paper uh before starting even uh, writing the first line of code and having uh, projects uh, this big, and it's not even a big project, but uh, within the scope of, of what we do at Felix, it, it was a big project. Um, it's very fulfilling uh, technically from a technical standpoint that uh, you're building something that is gonna support the business. And there's a lot of hype uh, behind it, like people wanting to use it to, to, to see what they can get from their audiences, what more they can get. Like uh, there's a lot of uh, curiosity uh, around. So that kind of motivates us as well. Absolutely. Well, I think you guys have done a great job just from seeing it, um, you know, myself and getting some of my own personal contacts to upload their lists on there and hear them talk about their pain points and ask questions about what to do. Um, so I'm really excited about it. And hopefully, too, it'll help the other work you're doing in the long run, run you know, become easier. Uh, at least no for sales, you know, the, one of the pain points is getting the data. So now people can just upload their data. Um, so I think that's very exciting. So Hector, from your perspective, what would be your best piece of advice for our entire BDEX audience and community of people? So, you know, not only our buyers, but people who follow us to learn, advertisers, programmatic buyers, business owners, executives, data scientists, engineers, if you could give them all one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, this is not entirely mine, but uh, I've uh, experienced it, uh, experienced it uh, for hand, firsthand, is that um, you have to hire, hire data engineers before data scientists first. That's your, your first step. It's like, like, like the stepping stone into, have, into having a strong foundations, uh, first to uh, understand your data, obviously. And then if, if you wanna have like a data science pipeline and machine learning pipeline, you need to have data in, in, in a way that you can, you can work with it. And um, uh, the error that many companies uh, do now and have been doing like uh, since, since data science was uh, the hot ticket in, in the market was hiring the data scientists. And, the, the thing about uh, having data scientists is sometimes they, 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 they 
they lack the technical skills to handle large amounts of data and it, it usually hinders uh, their own work so it, it's kind of like a showstopper so and the other thing is that data by itself can tell a lot like um you most of the times you may not need a data scientist to, to get some something out of the data uh, that a data that, that a data engineer or even a data analyst can, can, uh, can spot right without having like this advanced uh, mathematical knowledge and, and data science stuff uh, that that's the best advice I I can give. Uh, not because I'm a data engineer, uh, I do data science as well and machine learning as well. But having the data that you can access it and and having your infrastructure scale to changes because uh, changes occur like overnight and you don't realize it. Like you can like onboard a partner, a data partner, and then your your whole system is is broken because uh, the the whole infrastructure couldn't handle the the data. And then you're de right dead underwater. Uh, so you need you need to be a, be able to handle data first before looking at it. So that's my advice. That's great advice, and it goes along with a lot of the things David said in the Forbes Tech Council panels about data engineering and um, in terms of it, like in the next five years, being you know one of the most in demand jobs are some of the comments he's made. Um, but yeah, so. Josh, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask before I move into some of the podcast stuff? You know, I, Hector, this is what I, you know, uh, when I used on my old days of reading like, um, um, like, uh, like AndroidPlanet.com and stuff, and so all the editors there would talk about like the top five things that they just can't live without. So, uh, in in your personal, like, and they talked everything from like like smart cameras to like a certain desk that they might use to like, so what are the top five things that like you just like, are like you can't live without? I would say uh, the first one is coffee, obviously. Uh, okay. Although I don't drink uh, as much coffee as before. Uh, I need coffee uh, like uh, once a day. Uh, I suggest decaf. I started drinking decaf and I, yeah like yeah sometimes i do that uh when i go out but i don't have decaf in my in my home because uh, like everything is tainted with uh with the uh, caffeine coffee so with caffeine so i don't do it um well walking distance supermarket uh, that's essential uh, for me because uh I, I usually don't store a lot of stuff in my fridge so i, I get uh, fresh stuff uh internet access for sure a food steamer because uh it's a convenient way of not like like having a lot of uh, dirty dishes and Asian fast food. Uh, it's convenient, it's cheap, it's very nutritious. Uh, you can eat it every day and it's good for your health. Like, but I mean like real Asian, like not like American Asian. Uh, <laughs> no offense. Uh, no offense well, it's because I'm Asian. So uh, the Asian fast food, uh, if, if, I had, if I had one close, I would be every day there, but I don't. So. But yeah, those are the five things I, I, I wouldn't change for anything else. Okay. So I was expecting you to go like this laptop, my iPhone. No, no, I, I'm way past that. Uh, I, I usually, okay. uh, whatever iPhone I have that, that I can communicate, uh, the laptop not, doesn't even have to be this uh, super behemoth to, to, to run stuff because, uh, we, 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 what we actually do is just uh, push, uh, push buttons in the cloud and that's it. And you don't require like a big laptop for that. You just run scripts and, 
and do all that stuff. And it's not even happening on, on your computer. It's uh, almost like your computer is an old terminal. Yeah, it, it's like a technology. terminal. And yeah. I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me if I, if, if I had a terminal because actually I don't do any heavy lifting in my computer. I, yeah. I think the, the heaviest thing running in my computer is in the mornings is Zoom, the video and the multiple screens and, and stuff. <laughs> and that's why it, that those things have, uh, uh, are gone from the list of essential, basically. Great question, Josh. Yeah. You know what? I just real quick, not to burn up time and stuff, but David, this hadn't been asked of you. And now that, you know, we have you on here, what are your top five favorite things that like you would not want to live without? <laughs> I didn't know you're going to hit me with this one. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously internet access. So I'm, I got to start there. I'm not a coffee drinker, so it's definitely not coffee. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, I just need to be outdoors. So somewhere where I can be outdoors because I like to exercise outside. Um, so outdoors is important to me. If I was locked indoors uh, 24-7, that would, that would kill me. <laughs> um, I like to be near the ocean. So uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll put that in there as well. Um, and... Uh, uh, I'll go something similar to, to what Hector said. It's just about fresh foods because uh, I don't eat, you know, I don't eat a lot, out a lot. I don't eat fast food a lot. So I need access to foods that are fresh. Um, don't eat a lot of like frozen stuff or anything like that. So, um, uh, and my family. So uh, I, don't, I don't like being anywhere without my family. I don't travel a lot because I, I like to be home. I like to be with my family. Um, so there you go. Those are my oh. favorite things. <laughs> oh, I left my family out. I hope they don't. <laughs> I hope they don't see this video. No, I'm, we won't let them know. <laughs> like, sorry guys, gotta go, fam. <laughs> oh, you're funny, Hector. Um, so before we jump to the closing, we just wanted to ask a couple questions about the podcast, Hector, and get your opinion. So we're trying to come up with names for the podcast. Um, here's what we have. Um, there's deconstructing data, deconstructing marketing data, cookies and data, and data dive with David. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say uh, some combination of number one and number two, like deconstructing data and deconstructing marketing data. Maybe deconstructing something, something along the lines of uh, of of, uh, of uh, data. I think at this point we're just getting like extra, you know, affirmation that we should choose deconstructing data. That's why I keep introing with that title, but everybody yeah. has pretty much said that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and... Everyone chooses that one, so I think we at some point we need to make it official. Totally. Yeah. I figured we'd ask, well, at the beginning, we said we'd ask everybody on the team and then we were going to ask listeners. So I feel like we have to like keep it like this big cliffhanger. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right, cut that part yeah, off. We just say, no, yeah. it's, it's pretty obvious. Everyone likes deconstructing data. Great job, David. Uh, we came up with that one. It is a good one. I think um, I think that's because it's, it's being like implied like, uh, like indirectly, like in the subject of the email, the name of the meeting and... So it's kind of biased, I want to say. 
We've been uh, pushing it on everyone. Yeah, I've been <laughs> pushing it like like subconsciously. But yeah, I mean, deconstructing yeah. data worked very well because it, I mean, data is everything; covers everything. Absolutely. If, if it were like cookies and data, I would have added something fun there, like like not no more cookies, more data, something like that. It would have made like the images easy, you know, because we can use cookies and yeah, yeah. But then we'd so we'd have to have somebody each time baking cookies and you know, kind of bringing them to the you know, podcast yeah. so that we can different. all just yeah, that's true. smaller. A, yeah. a different cookie recipe every every episode, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Instead of the Wednesday, we like eat cookies. And then when cookies officially go away, we just kind of toss them out and they're gone. No more cookies. <laughs> no more cookie for you. Right. We'd rather deconstruct the cookie. Um, so, and I think it's good. Like I have my master's in sociology. And so we had a whole theory we would study on deconstructionism, which basically like questions traditional assumptions and certainty. And so I really like it from the human perspective as well. Um, but anywho, any guess you would like to suggest or people like target type people that you think we should reach out to in the future of this podcast? Like, who would you like to hear from? Who do you think our audience could learn from? Uh, I would choose some of the proponents of some of that uh, data mining techniques. Okay. Uh, because uh, even the even though they, the, their theories and, 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 and books and all, all of their, the, the knowledge that they, they, they've been generating over the years, applies apply to before i think it is uh valid now still um like like um but i i i don't think we can have him but the, the google ceo or, or ex-ceo oh, yeah. i think sergey brin uh, he developed he google algorithm when he was in stanford and the google algorithm the, the initial one of it it's very easy it was a very easy algorithm uh, it had, had a lot of bugs but uh, it made it made Google, and it was based on not even like advanced sciences stuff. It, it was just like a traveling, like 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 an algorithm of a traveling salesperson that visited each of the each of the places and collected information. And that's it. Some something like that 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 that, that would make um, people see uh, how this came to be and how it was before. So. Uh, sometimes it was uh, very simple stuff, and sometimes uh, they were very complex stuff, like uh, machine learning that would be complex, or computer vision stuff like that. But uh, the Google algorithm is something always uh, people find very interesting because people think it's very difficult when it's actually not. I think that when we share this on LinkedIn, we should tag him and see if we can get him to uh, see what he says, right? Yeah, might just be listening. You know, he he's probably you know gonna hear the podcast before even. Though. I hope I I hope I get his name right. Uh, I don't know if it was him or, or the other guy. No, <laughs> yeah, but they were. Yeah. Get to him to get to interview him. Wow. Um. So I guess in closing, um, we would love to get input from the listeners about what or who you would like to hear on our new podcast. Um, what questions you have and, um, you know, what you'd like to hear in terms of new data trends and advertising. So I guess if there's anything else or any feedback you'd like to share, feel free to do so in the comments, or you can always reach us at info at bdex.com. 
And of course, the website, vdex.com. You can always go there to find an expert to talk to. All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Thank you for awesome. having me. Thank pleasure. you. Bye.